Hello, and welcome back to Tells. Hello. Hi, Andrew Nimi. Here we are in the closet again. Back in the closet for this week's episode of Tells. Mm-hmm. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode, Guests. Yep, this time we have no guests. Just Andrew's waffling. It's lonely in here. Just Andrew's waffling that you have to look forward to for the rest of... Waffling? Yeah. I haven't had a good waffle in a long time. What, this week? What? You waffled last week. No, I'm saying like an actual, like a waffle, like for breakfast. <laughs> uh, um, when I was the last time you had a waffle? I don't particularly care for waffles, to be honest. Did we have a waffle on my birthday or no? Duh, it was French toast, wasn't it? Yeah. No. See? I haven't even had one. I haven't had a single waffle in 2020. What are the merits of a waffle? You have but to it's put all, like... It's really all about the syrup. Yeah. You just have to pour 50 gallons of syrup. Mm-hmm. For it to taste like something. I don't have to. I want to. Uh, I mean, there was one place that had those soft waffles, like the Belgian waffles, like not airy. Was it Belgium? No, I've never been to Belgium. But I like a thick waffle, you know, not an airy waffle. Mm. Not thick, but dense. What place was that? I don't remember, but... Well, how are you supposed to... That was the only time I was like, yeah, waffles. How are you supposed to give a suggestion to the people if you don't even know the name of it? It was probably from Fresh and Easy, and Fresh and Easy is now dead. So that was the only time I was like, hmm, I can see where this waffle business is about. But other than that, waffles. They're great. End of story. Next topic. What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about fiction. Fiction. Yeah. Okay. You've been into the fiction streets as of late. What a loss. What a loss it's been for years and years mm-hmm. not reading fiction. Yeah. Because I was always trying to fix myself. Oh, my God. Right. By reading self-help books and et cetera. Right. But you know what I realized about fiction? It's not real. <laughs> Besides it but not being real. It's real because it's in somebody's imagination, which then becomes a real object. So it's real okay. in that sense. But Sounds kind of schizophrenic, but okay. <laughs> But with nonfiction, the heroes already arrive. So you don't get to feel like that journey, you know, like everybody's on this journey of self-expression. And I think there's nothing wrong with being a better version of you. But when you read fiction, you get to go on the journey with the protagonist versus nonfiction where some guy or girls like, I've arrived, I've summited the mountain. Now, here's how you do it, you dumb fuck. You know? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't think that's the intention. I don't think people set out to write books to make you feel dumb or like, how have you not figured it out? I think it comes from a genuine desire to help people. Okay. So you get to see it unfold in like real-ish time. Right. Also, if you read decent-ish fiction, I guess, like where the characters are developed. Because I stopped reading fiction. I was reading Sophie Kinsella many, many years ago, and she's this British fiction writer, and she had a whole shopaholic series, and the girl was always in trouble with, like, too much shopping and hiding her purchases, and it was fun for, like, the first two books, and I was like, I don't shop like this, I don't have a shopping problem, and she's always a damsel in distress, Mm -hmm. and I was like, ah, this is kind of not interesting. All right. I read a 
a book by her recently. And the characters are so much more developed and their stories are so nuanced with like family issues and wanting to be a better person. And By the same author? Same author, yeah. That's a lot of... That's a lot of writings. If it's if she's still after it all these years. Oh yeah, she's got thirty books in production, and how many countless books that never made it? You know, like publishers were like, eh, eh, no, not not that story. Seems like a lot to have inside of you and just be constantly churning it out. But that's the thing. It's it's there's not a limit. How can it all be good though? Like, how can you assume like everything like just have this nonstop stream of stuff and ha- expect it to be like enjoyable? I don't think everything's good. That's what I mean. Mm. She's got like 30 books that have been published. Yeah. She probably wrote, what, 50,000 starts of books mm-hmm. that just never made it. Yeah. I'm not trying to be like cynical about her stuff. I'm, I'm assuming most of it is good, but uh, I would like to know how to do that, how to just like constantly churn out stuff and assume that it's like quality. I think that you had do- you don't create that with wanting it to be quality. You've watched or listened to author interviews, right? Or people that write. Mm -hmm. Many of them just don't know how to be anything else. They just have to write. Mm -hmm. So whether it's like good or not good, they just have to write. So with that, I don't see how you can not eventually, you know, like once you find your true voice. I see a lot of people that seems like they have to tweet. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And I think maybe that's the it's for them that's like their slice of the universe that they found self-expression and they just can't help themselves. I wish I tweeted more. You do? Yeah. Well, just start tweeting. I mean, some of it will probably be terrible. Right. That's that's sort of like I sort of like second guess my tweet thoughts and then I end up not tweeting. Yeah, but you see I think with it's different with writing stuff that goes through this like vetting process Mm -hmm. like how many books does an author or or how many pages do they write that's not scrutinized by anybody do you think there's people on twitter that have like editors for their tweets i don't know (laughs) i'm sure well i think the president used to have that like that was you know think so like i think barack obama would have somebody Mm. read his tweets Mm -hmm. i think donald trump fired all those people so he can just tweet himself and right and not have edit or like make it sound good. It's just like nope. Yeah, but like, um, who would have an editor for their tweets aside from politicians? That's the only per- only people I can think of because those are the only people trying to sound a certain way. Do you if- want to edit my tweets? No, you okay. know how I feel about Twitter. You love it too much. <laughs> Can't get enough. <laughs> so anyway. So fiction. You live in the fiction life. That's cool. Is I'm it, reading um, my second novel. Is it escapism? Sure. Yeah, it is. It is definitely. But what isn't escapism, really? Right. But I also love that it's not passive, you know? What does that mean? How so? When you read a novel, yes, they, there's like prompts, but you have to create the character. Some authors, I, I'm reading Jojo Moyes, Me Before You. Yeah. And she doesn't describe the characters in detail so some authors will say you know Susie is five foot four and a little pudgy and pale and you know she just gives you the their name and how they carry themselves in the world Hmm. so then you have to color it in right you have to create 
the location. Sure, they describe it somewhat, but you have to use your imagination to fill in like what this apartment looks like, what this castle they talk about looks like. So when you say it's not passive, you mean like you have to、uh, put your imagination to work and right, huh? Versus watching a TV show, the book is just my eyes.、Mm-hmm. There's no sounds. I have to fill in the sounds. I have to fill in the what the visual aspect of it. Um, the tactile aspect, whereas if I'm watching a show on Netflix, besides actual physical touch and smell, three out of the five senses have already been given to me. So it's a lot less. It's like more passive. Is this podcast passive or no? This podcast is not passive, which is probably why I like. I think it is. You haven't even told them about your dress that you're wearing today. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dress is a little mumu, mumu like. Little mumu like.、Um, it is black and white. Looks like a cow. <laughs> Low, <laughs> but it's the shape is a little、um, non-flattering. But you know, it's kind of warm, so、mm-hmm. I wanted something free-flowing. It, it is warm. It's、uh, 80 degrees here in Vegas. Yeah, it's supposed to be 100 next Wednesday. I saw. Yeah, which you originally pointed to me. Uh, that's crazy. We went from like pretty chilly. We've been having sun o'clock during the、uh, ongoing COVID situation here, quarantine, shelter in place, which is a nicer word than quarantine, I guess. But it's like there's bombs going about to go <laughs> off.、True. Shelter in place. <laughs> I think all those words are pretty. We're hunkered down in the bunker. Yeah, like nobody even has a bunker. Um, anyway, pretty warm here. Went from chilly during sun o'clock, which is、uh, what we've been doing every. Nine o'clock to ten fifteen,、uh, or some window therein. Hang out on the balcony, get that direct sunlight. It's gone from like pretty chilly to now, all of a sudden, pretty damn warm. Yeah, I can barely be out there for more than yeah twenty minutes. So it's pretty warm in this closet, even though we have AC. Yeah,、uh, is there AC vent in this? There isn't. There's no AC in this closet. Yeah, that's why we can be quiet. I'm trying to. I want them to be passive. <laughs> so you're describing everything. Yeah. Your orange shorts. I got a、uh, black favorable shirt on with orange, burnt orange shorts. Orange. Orange and、uh, gray socks. I have a what is it? Three puff. What is it? Three puff,、uh, puff hawk. Three puff hawk. Hair's getting long. My hair's getting long too. Haven't had a haircut since we've been sheltered in place. <laughs> I got the mullet going on. Yeah, mullet your situation. mullet's mullet's pretty bad, but the front looks great. Front's doing all right. Sideburns getting kind of long. Sideburns need a trim. The Mullet needs a chop. I can chop it. I sent the uh, uh, Marie who cuts my hair, who's been in the vlog two or three times. Paid her for the next three haircuts up front. Do you think that will get you some perks? Yeah, like preferential treatment, free like free hairspray, maybe. First, no. I mean, like everybody's going to be gunning for these. She did say slots. She, as a matter of fact, she said exactly that. She would allow me to、uh, schedule. You know, be, be among the first to schedule. Nice. If not the first. Very nice.、Mm-hmm. See, it's all about getting something for giving. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so left field. But can I? Can we talk about more of my fiction reading? Okay. Have you heard of Dignitas? I feel like I've heard the word, but I might need you to define it. So in this book that I'm reading, Jojo Moy's book. Yeah. The protagonist has decided that he wants to end his life. So. Dignitas is a place you go and they end your life. What? Yes. Wait, what? 
So, you know, like if you, because he was in a terrible accident. Okay. And he's now quadriplegic. Mm-hmm. And he's decided that he no longer wants to live. Oh, okay. So like you go. Assisted suicide? Dignitas is in, Swiss, in Switzerland. Okay. You pay $10,000. I had to look it up. I'd never heard. I, I've always seen that type of thing on TV, right? Yeah, we had a, like a big uh, uh, sort of like case. This guy who was in Michigan who was a doctor. I believe his name was Jack Kevorkian. Mm. And this was like uh, this like ongoing sort of thing where he wanted to help people that were in that sort of a living situation. Uh, yeah, like either like, terminally ill or... Uh, like, uh, yeah, terminal pain and stuff, ongoing situations like that, helping mm. them die a dignified, in a in dignified way on their own terms. Mind blown. Like, I think I've only seen that on TV, you know, like many years ago. Uh-huh. And I've never, probably never thought about it again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm literally like, because that's, no, but I'm telling you, the reading fiction, I'm telling you, read fiction. Don't, don't deny yourself this. So you're saying it's bringing up old uh, uh, feelings from your earlier days or what? It brings up fears as well. Like, mm. you know, you take your body for granted. That's why I said to you, baby, aren't you so happy that you can jump out of bed and use all your limbs right yes it's not a real story but that's like based on somebody's experience like there are people who okay. live so, that way so why why fiction to remind yourself of these things rather than real uh, stuff stories probably like i said because you don't get to go on the journey you read the news and it's like bomb went off in such and such a place and that's it goodbye they just leave you there like with now you have to use your imagination and like pray that people are okay. But yeah. when you read the fiction, I don't want to get too. Uh... I think this is really important. Yeah, yeah, I do. Because we have so much time. People, I'm sure, are feeling a lot of anxiety or stress. And this is also like a way to have somebody else carry that for you for a while because now you're carrying the protagonist's stress and emotions and, you know, everything else that goes with that. Mm-hmm. But. We'll move on from this. I want to ask you, would if you were terminally ill, do you would you consider something like that? Yeah, probably. Sure. I mean it depends on what the the situation is, right? You know, there's people that are in uncurable pain and stuff. So that doesn't sound any good. Right, because that situation thrust me to being what, twelve or eleven when I first found out about this. And I was, you know, I brought brought up in like a Christian home I was like that's terrible God would never forgive you for yeah that taking was, your own life yeah that was like the uh, one of the arguments this moral argument thing that uh, the in the case I was talking about this Jack Kevorkian situation right and then and I realized that I'd never resolved that you know I just left it there and I never had to think about it again so now I'm now like you have to would I now you have to <laughs> You know, would you... You have to decide in this closet. (laughs) I have to decide in this closet. Um, I don't think life ends the way that we think of it. You know, I think we just evolve into a different iteration of being. So now I think that's okay. Like, I think it's totally fine if you decided that I'm out of this life. Bye. Um, That's cool. I hope you're right. That life doesn't end. Yeah, when you die. Come on. Did you see... That dead, limp, green onion that has become new life. 
you tell me how life dies. That you put into a mug that is yeah. sitting on the windowsill. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Science is amazing. So we're not part of science? Well, I mean, am I? is my arm going to grow a new body after it gets... Chopped off? Gets dead <laughs> and chopped off? I don't know. Okay. Well, yeah. Check it out. Check out the books. Check out the fictions. You don't have to read what I'm reading, but I would implore you, Andrew Nimi, to read a fiction. Pick up a book of novel. Book of fiction. There's okay. there's something for everybody, you know. Mm -hmm. Like some people like. I don't know. You gave me a lovely story to read about a restaurant in New York City. Yeah. And that's nonfiction, and I enjoyed that thoroughly. It's written by a restaurant owner who's mm -hmm. had her restaurant since the late '90s in New York City, and she talked about you know the current situation, but also like changing scene in new york city over the years from like uh she had her her small restaurant and paid 450 dollars a month for her nearby apartment to uh the massive explosion in not only prices but also competition and you know all the different like iterations of what's cool and what's hip yeah uh to yeah all the competition that came into the neighborhood and where her little restaurant will fit in once Shelter in place is no longer a thing. Yeah, we'll link that article uh, yeah. to the show notes as well because this is what I've been saying about restaurants for so long, though. Mm -hmm. You know, why do we have 50,000 sushi places? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not sustainable. I don't know. I can eat a lot of sushi, so I'm only one man. If we didn't have 50,000, the re the restaurant, the one sushi place would go out of business because I can eat a lot of sushi. <laughs> You single-handedly would. I'm saying I'm only one man. Imagine how many people out there are eating sushi. No? Maybe there's too many. You might be right. I think America is, has a problem with too much choice. Like the yeah. grocery stores are filled. Like 50,000 cereals. Nobody needs 50,000 cereals. Nobody needs. As long as we have Captain Crunch, it's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's it's really fascinating. Um and I hope that with the time that people are home, we'll get back to that simpler We'll way. see. Yeah. I, I mean, I have my preferences, right? Like I like a certain kind of bread and a certain kind of milk and all these things. But I always wonder, do we really need so many choices? Yeah, I don't know how sustainable it is really. But uh, the thing that uh, strikes me is that just reading this uh, article, it's like, it's a decent length read. Yeah, but 26 minutes, it says. Yeah, probably takes me a little bit longer. But uh, just like reading that story really makes me root for this restaurant, you know, just because sure. she like, she took the time to really um, not only put so much time into her business, but you can tell she does it so passionately, but then also took the time to like, uh, you know, formulate the story into this, this article and into these words. And just, like, telling the story really sort of, like, puts all this, like, like the faces and puts all this passion behind the business. Right. And, like, it's just amazing, like, what creating content does for something that's otherwise kind of faceless, mm. you know? So, like, really hoping that the restaurant, which I assume it'll probably come back. It's called Prune yeah. in New York. My favorite line was that she said she built a place where even if you had a line cook, a line cook's pay... You could afford to eat there. Mm -hmm. You know, as a line cook, you you have you have to have like a refined palate, I'm sure. Like you, and then you work all these hours making all this food for everybody else, and then you can't even afford to enjoy anything close to that unless you make it yourself at home. So yeah, I think she said a line cooks uh, a line cooks 
palette on a Lime Tokes budget. Right. And I think that for me is like everything we should be striving for Mm -hmm. to make things accessible to people that want it. There'll be some people who never want that because that's just not their thing. Like McDonald's or whatever is fine for them. But to know that you have access to that if, if that's what you want. Yeah. Anyway, really interesting story. Good luck to Prune. And uh, yeah, I would love to go to New York and go to Prune. There'll be a line like five blocks down now. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people rooting for her now. Can I read a, a message that I got? Sure. Speaking of New York, uh, somebody messaged me on Instagram and said, do you have a public playlist? Been watching your videos for a while and dig the music. And I said, if you find me on SoundCloud, a lot of it is there. Then they wrote back saying, thanks. I know you live in your world and I'm just a fan from afar, but I depend on your podcast, your narrative and playlists. I work at NYU Langone. Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that exactly. Uh, But he says, and I deal with daily stresses, but your YouTube account just balances me out. These days at 7 p.m. Eastern, people clap for those on the front line. I just want to thank you here and now at 1153-ish Eastern. You help me help others. So... It's awesome. Yeah, pretty cool message from William. Thank and, you, William. Uh, William lives in New York. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that uh, on Instagram. People go out on the fire escapes mm-hmm. and clap for the nurses and doctors and all the like delivery people. Yeah. I would be so fucked without them. <laughs> like I was talking to the guy at the grocery store. I was like, dude. He's like, yeah, I'm just happy to have a job. But I was like, no, you don't understand. We'd all be dead if you didn't come to work. Yeah, they weren't working. Then you would just like, peace out, see to finish. Yeah. None of these operations that are still open would work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about gratitude? What about it? How gratitude gets a bad rap. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. It's... I don't know. I read uh, somebody once said that gratitude makes you passive and not want to do more because you're just you should be grateful for what you have rather than always wanting more right like their view is that this whole gratitude movement makes you not want to achieve stuff okay yeah and then somebody else had said just because i'm not out on the street my life is still not perfect so don't tell me to be grateful or something like that Mm -hmm. so what do you think (laughs) i have my thoughts because i grappled with it for a long time and trying to, I never had a conversation with these individuals, but I had to work it out in my head what gratitude meant for me. So I'd like to hear from you. As to what gratitude means to me? Yeah, and whether you think the gratitude movement is overhyped. I don't think so. Uh, I think, if anything, I'm not, uh, I don't take enough time to be grateful for things that I've accomplished or done in my life. And I think I'm usually too forward-looking, borderline between driven and... I don't know if ungrateful is right, but, uh, or unappreciative. I don't think that's right either, but, um, I like when for some reason I'll stop and, uh, look back at like old pictures that, you know, like places, like trips that we've gone on or, you know, like the vlogs, like watch a few of them, like from back in the day and see like all these things that we've gotten up to and uh, all these places that we've gone to. And it's like really refreshing, you know, it's like, uh, a step back. So I think that doesn't happen enough for me personally. I also think that that doesn't really like slow me down, you know, from wanting to still accomplish things when I do take the time to do that. Hmm. Uh, if anything, it sort of like relieves some of the pressure and then like allows me to, you know, 
do something without overthinking it. Mm. Is that an acceptable answer or no? <laughs> no, but it has to be for you. Is that the right answer? That is the wrong answer. Shit. <laughs> I think it has to be for your for yourself. Okay. Is it addressing the things that you are referring to? Well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't think there's one right answer. Understanding what gratitude is for, which is appreciation. I, I think I told you this before, that I choose now to use the word appreciation because gratitude has always, or not always, but gratitude seems to be about contrast, right? So I'm grateful that I have a coat when you walk past somebody who doesn't have a coat, right? Or I'm grateful to have a car when you see somebody who's walking to the bus stop. Mm -hmm. Whereas appreciation is not in contrast of, right? It's, I'm grateful for this delicious mango, in this moment, not future forward-looking, not backward-looking, in the moment. I am grateful for this mumu dress that <laughs> you're judging. You know, like in this moment, there's no pressure. There's no pressure to say, I'm grateful, but I've still got to make a million dollars. Or I'm grateful, but I still got to push. You mm -hmm. know, it's, it's, the, it's just being in this moment and seeing the beauty and the good in this moment. Not tomorrow, not like I'm grateful that I can pay my rent. It's I'm grateful for this roof over my house in this moment. It might be gone tomorrow. You don't know. You know, you might be grateful because you have a car today mm -hmm. and it might be gone tomorrow. But if I'm in appreciation, grateful in this moment then i can always find something to be grateful for because i'm only looking in this moment i'm not looking to the future i'm not looking to what has been just what right now what can i appreciate in my life okay right now so what are people uh, what's their what's people's problems <laughs> what, what? <laughs> no what i mean the two the two the two themes that i'd seen you know about the gratitude movement was that it constrains you because now you'll just rest on your laurels because oh my god yeah. you have so much to be grateful for why would you try all right and or i might have a house but like i lost my leg so should i now be grateful because somebody else doesn't have a house but they have both their legs you know yeah. like that contrast seems like there always has to be like something as a reaction to something you know like no matter what you know <laughs> expand <laughs> <laughs> like, like, well, like, the, like the gratitude thing is like uh, a reaction to maybe like the uh, the hustle mindset, mm -hmm. and then somebody has to come up with a reaction to the the gratefulness mindset. Right, you know, it's like this never ending cycle of reacting to the reaction and stuff. Yeah, but I mean, for somebody who was, for me, it was important because I think that space being grateful prepares you prepares your mind and your psyche to do more, to do better, to be a happier person. So I was conflicted. I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe they're right. Like maybe it's true that all my gratitude just makes me a little bit lazy. Or maybe, yeah, that's true. I had a really tough day today. So why should I be grateful? Because I'm not out in the street, you know? So I had to work through that myself to understand for myself what that meant like mm. what is gratitude and i think it will always be like that for you if it's something that troubles you 
you know, like in the back of your mind, you're thinking about constantly, then then you have to explore it for yourself. Mm. So. so I think I have it right, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So where I was like, you know, if you uh, you do take the time to uh, think about the places you've been and the things you've done, be grateful for those when it actually rather than makes you less eager to do things and to accomplish things, it takes the stress and the pressure off to make the next thing like this big perfect thing right and just allows you to just like flow into that next thing right see i got it all figured out just stick with me i think i'm right just listen to me i think i'm more right than ask you. me questions ask me how i live <laughs> and i'll tell you how to live okay? all right good well thanks for having that chat with me we have a bit of listener feedback great let's hear it we got a message from anthony what's up anthony he said podcast woohoo this is Anthony from the Hand History Lounge. Hello, Anthony. I know you well. What is the Hand History Lounge? That is a place where you can get plenty of feedback on hands that you've played. And when I say hands, I mean poker hands that you've played. A small group of people led by our fearless leader, Benton Blakeman. Where is this place found? Handhistorylounge.com. Handhistorylounge.com. All the feedback that you can uh, possibly consume. Or require or on desire. Your, on your poker hands. Yeah. You can also read other people's hands, read the feedback that's given to them. If you're a little bit shy about sharing your hands, ease your way into it, read some other hands, improve your game. So Anthony says, I mentioned to Andrew at the MGM mug that I wanted Tells to come back and it looks like I got my wish. Just wanted to touch base and share some of the experiences my wife and I have been having that seem similar to yours. All right. My wife is a teacher and she's been working from home, which ends up being five times the work that it would be if she was at school. Yeah, I mean, kudos to the teachers. Mm -hmm. This teaching online thing. Yeah. Kudos to your wife, Anthony. Everything has to be remade to be able to be shared digit digitally and no one has any idea what they're actually supposed to be doing. This is all uncharted territory, and it's kind of being made up as we go along. We had our first child in July, Vincent. Hi, Vincent. I hope you will be an avid listener of this podcast, too. <laughs> <laughs> and after he was born, I went full-time grinder after 18 years at the same job. Congratulations to you, Anthony. We had a very good system worked out that let us both work and still spend a decent amount of time together. We had daycare four days a week and I'd pretty much be playing three to four nights a week and during the day on Sundays. I usually would get home late, wake up early to help her out with the house, with Vinny and then go back to sleep. It was magical. She would get home around four, we would have dinner, play with Vinny and then I would be off to the grind. Then Corona dot 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 now our days consist of playing the fun game you mentioned why are you doing it that way <laughs> oh god i'm sorry Anthony. <laughs> i feel for you she's working from her from our home office which thank god is, is a separate room with a door and i am full-time daddy daycare we sp still spend enough time apart during the day that we are not at each other's throats but it is a lot more time being in the same space than we are used to it has definitely made us stronger as people and we have really learned to just let stuff go. As long as I remember to replace an empty toilet paper roll, we are golden. <laughs> she has been very understanding of my constant poker bros playing, which is so addictive because it's on the phone and the games are beyond soft. I have pretty much zero online poker background, so it took some getting used to, but this last week has been a very good one. As Andrew said, having a bankroll is definitely a godsend during this time, and I have not 
reached the level of being concerned. That being said, I think going forward, there's not going to be a sustainable poker ecosystem. The rec money, which pretty much which pretty much supports the community is going to be tighter the longer this goes on. I am concerned for the future and I'm glad to hear that Andrew has taken up trading. Pretty sure there's someone in his life that knows a thing or two about trading. I do have a question about the oil market. Based on my limited trading knowledge, a good trader will make money in any market. But what about the market we're seeing now? No one could have predicted that oil and gas consumption would drop this much. How has that affected Boosie's ability to trade? I think that's enough for one email and honestly, if we weren't in quarantine, I don't think I would ever have spent this amount of time writing an email to anyone. <laughs> Stay safe and sane, Anthony. P.S. So pumped, Tells is back forever, please. Wow. Big fan of Tells. Thank you, I guess, Anthony. I guess we have to do it forever. Forever? Forever. What if we did it once a week for the rest of our lives? That'd be a lot of episodes. That would be a lot of episodes. Can you handle it? Mmm... We might need to get some furniture in this closet. Why? Because as you get older, your back will get... Exactly. Older? Yeah. Sitting on my ankles and knees, probably not ideal. Yeah, thanks for the message, Do you Anthony. think we'll be in this uh, uh, closet for the rest of our lives? Well, I mean, no, but we still need furniture. Whichever <laughs> closet we end up in. Yeah, that'd be pretty bleak if we're in this apartment for the rest of our lives. Yeah, it's not that bad. It we'll isn't. grateful. <laughs> Anyway, thanks, Anthony. And I do agree with you that uh, I think poker, online poker, especially in this current environment, it's going to it's gonna have like a reasonably long tail, but I think it will sort of take that tail shape. And uh, a lot of people are not in the, the best situation and don't have the same income that they used to. So online poker might be uh, off to a fast start, but then slowly dwindle over time, which is kind of concerning. Not so much for online poker, but for the greater landscape of people's situations as far as trading goes uh being happy that i've taken up trading i wouldn't call it trading at the moment i would call it blindly gambling <laughs> but <laughs> within within reason um as far as like the size of shares that i'm purchasing and shorting blindly gambling <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah you're supposed to have like a setup or like uh, a profit target or a, a stop loss when you're trading quote unquote i don't have any of those things i just have gut feelings <laughs> oh jesus <laughs> so, i think i need to pay more attention yeah you do oh You're lord over there trading oil while i'm you know oh lord degening it up over here <laughs> uh, but he wants to talk to you about oil yes a good trader should be able to make money whether the market's going up or down and yeah what we saw in oil this past week i mean this is anthony's email from the week before when oil was just at $19 or something like that. No, it was, I think it closed at $11 at the end of the week. Um, and then on Monday proceeded to go negative, which I've never seen, I've never heard of. Consequently, brokerages have lost a shit ton of money, which has made it more difficult for retail traders like myself because they've then hiked up the margin requirements. And what that means is, you know, in order to place a trade, they've six X'd the amount that you need to place a trade. Hmm. So it just makes everything more risky. So if you have, you know, excess amount of money to trade, then it's great. You can really make a lot more money. But if you don't have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, then it does 
limit the amount that you can trade. Yeah, so it would be like if if uh, if you're playing like a two five game at the Bellagio, suddenly everybody was injected with like LSD in the game, and as a result, the <laughs> the Bellagio floor man uh, is looking out for you and says, you know, this game is crazy. You can still play, but you need instead of your twenty k bankroll, you need a two hundred k bankroll to sit in the game. Right. So yeah, a regular. 510 game. What is the buy-in for a 510 game? At the Bellagio, it's 1500 max. Right. So imagine that 1500 turning into $10,000. But also the participants are behaving completely different from a typical game. Right. So, I mean, I get it from the broker's perspective because obviously they want to remain alive because, you know, they always threaten you with this thing called a margin call, which means that they shut down your position and then you won't be able to trade again. But the reality is if you don't have that money, they need to pay it back to whatever bank that they loaned it from, especially if you're short, right? Like imagine if you're shorting shares, they always say it's a form of borrowing shares. Mm -hmm. So you borrow shares from somebody who owns them. They are really on the line for it. So I get it from a risk perspective, but for a small independent trader, it's a little bit of a bummer because... We don't get markets that are so volatile, so you want to take advantage of it. You know, like you were saying, if it's WSOP, this is like our WSOP. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Interesting times. Yep. So, yeah, probably have to trade some other instruments like ES. Gold is still rocking, so Mm -hmm. just make adjustments and keep grinding. I guess so. Well. We'll see. I don't know. We'll have to think about it. If we want to allocate more resources and get in there and ride the waves. It's a little terrifying. Not going to lie. Yeah, like the moves are really fast. and good. I... That's good, though. <laughs> fast money. Yeah, like LSD poker. <laughs> I don't know if LSD is the correct drug that would uh, simulate those same environs that the oil markets are going through. What, what was that uh, movie where the guy had... Limitless, and uh, I think it's more like that. Think so? I don't know. I, I haven't know. taken any LSD, so I don't really know what the experience is supposed to be like. Have you taken LSD? No, maybe like cocaine. I've never taken that either. But like up all night. Yeah. Just keep going. I don't know. We'll have to try all these drugs and get back to you guys. <laughs> all right. I think that's enough waffling for one Saturday. <sighs> nice way to bring it all the way back to the very first couple of sentences. Professional podcaster, Boosie, Boodalezzi, Boodalezzi. Thank you. You're welcome. Boodalezzi. That's not even a real name. Okay. All right. Thanks for chatting, Nini. You're going to keep that dress on for the rest of the day? You should. Doesn't yes, matter. I'm going to keep my muumuu on for the rest of the day. Thank you very much. Comfort is, what do they say? <laughs> comfort is key. I think they say comfort is king, which I don't say why it's king when not queen, you know? <laughs> okay. I don't know either, baby. But thanks for listening to Tells. If you like this podcast, share it with your friends. Write to us. Tell us what you're grateful for in appreciation for. Nobody's going to do that. No? Okay. They're not going to do the drink since you still haven't made the cocktails. Just saying. I'll make it probably tonight. The French 75 from Jean-Francois coming in hot. Yeah. And Ania sent us like a lot of infusions. Remember I told you? Mm -hmm. And so... I have to see what we can can allocate to those infusions. All right. We'll be drinking tonight. All right. Thanks. Hope you are too. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.